0: For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Martin
1: McCloskey on fire. This is Mark McCloskey on fire.
0: Not Well, good afternoon ladies and gentlemen this is Mark McCloskey Mark McCloskey on fire you know the uh, every day you wake up and you think things can't possibly be as bad as they appear to be and then we find out it's just stinking worse okay and you know my best thing of this week is a uh, a Russian dissident dies under mysterious circumstances in a uh, slave labor colony in Siberia. And everybody's all upset. Of course, of course, every day we have to hate Russia for something new, whether it's a fake space nukes or, or a uh, Russian dissident dies in prison. Well, God knows we don't have any political prisoners in this country. And God knows political prisoners don't die under mysterious circumstances in this country. Mr. Epstein. Um but we're uh, in in light of the fact that there are no political prisoners in this country we're going to have a non-political prisoner also known as a January 6th political prisoner as our guest here this afternoon and uh, so ladies and gentlemen please say hello to Mr. Ryan Zink one of our one of our uh, least uh, politically prisoner people that I know having only what when they give you 21 years or something like that
1: Uh, They were trying to give me 22 years.
0: 22 years. Yep. All right. Well, go ahead. This is my lousy introduction. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and tell them what happened to you.
1: All right. Well, my name is Ryan Zink. I am a uh, January 6th political prisoner and a uh, congressional candidate for CD19 out of Lubbock, Texas. I'm running for uh, the federal position because the guy that's in my seat, along with other Republicans, have refused to help. So, uh, like I said, I was involved with the, uh, the January 6th. I was there as a, as a journalist and a media correspondent for my father's congressional campaign. Uh, he was running in Arizona for, uh, which was congressional seat seven over there, but now it's CD three, uh, in his, in his second run. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh. I guess I'll start things off. I was in, uh, I just recently had to drop out of school due to a medical injury back in, uh, 2020 and 2000, like 2019 going into 2020. Um, I was at work. I, I used to work for a package delivery service, uh, while I was putting my way through school for media strategy, public relations. And, uh, I was out making deliveries one day and I got rear ended by a, uh, an impaired driver. And, uh, she wound up doing some pretty significant damage to my neck and my shoulder and uh I had to take a, a a leave of absence from school because I couldn't even like get hardly get to class or anything and so I was uh I was working uh during this period I was a small business owner and it just got to the point to where I just couldn't uh I just couldn't do my job I had a lapse in treatment I you know tried to Make things work just being on Workman's comp, but Workman's comp doesn't pay the bills, and uh, so I decided to go see the old man in in Arizona. And uh, many, a lot of people that don't know that uh, my father was actually in sports medicine for years and years, and he was able to you know give me a lot of the same treatment that uh, any of these insurance agencies and these you know physical therapy treatment facilities would have been able to give me for my neck and my shoulder. So I went up there. To try to be proactive instead of, uh, you know, just sitting around, uh, waiting for something to happen. Well, while I was up there, my dad, you know, he had already declared that he was going to run for Congress and, uh, that he was, you know, going to try to make a step up. Cause we had seen a lot of irregularities on different things over the years. Well, he had seen that I didn't care about politics at the point. Uh, I was still kind of questioning like why he was doing it because I wasn't a political person. And, um, so then he, you know, I go up there, I hang out for Thanksgiving and for Christmas, and then all of a sudden he starts talking about the fact that he wants to go to Washington D.C. because he believes that you know history is going to be made uh, as the the vote is kicked back down to the states, and uh, he thought it was going to be interesting to be there, and he asked me if I wanted to go, and I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go home and go go back to love it because I, I politics never interested me and. So he had asked me for his help, you know, and I was taking, you know, photos of him and, you know, kind of documenting his progress on the way that things went as, uh, you know, in the early parts of his stage, like matching, you know, matching suit jacket sheens, and, you know, getting professional photos done for him. That way, you know, he could, we could start to build a website and, you know, work with people and that kind of thing. And then uh, he asked me again, you know, hey, would you like to go to Washington, D.C., you know, for this deal? And I really didn't want to. But he told me, my dad said, you know, he's like, hey, the campaign can cover the cost of you going because, you know, we can um, use this as like a networking platform, you know, kind of thing. And so I was like, you know what, I can go to Washington, D.C. for free. I get to spend some time with my dad you know he thinks that something historical is going to happen i don't know maybe it'll turn out the way that we that you know he's saying you know it could be fun. so you, you so, guys you uh, guys
0: uh, are you guys going to drive up from arizona
1: uh no we actually flew we had to take separate flights and it was uh i had to have like a connecting flight in dallas and then went to um like one more stop, and then I've made my way into to D.C. and to Reagan on uh, January 5th.
0: And I, I, I you know, and, uh, so let me, let me just ask you these kinds of questions. When you and your dad are talking about going up to D.C. for January the 6th, were you some, card of, some kind of big conspiracy while you're, you know, being manipulated by Proud Boys and told what to do and, and that this was all going to be a, a big insurrection?
1: Well, apparently, according to the DOJ, if you start making political posts in November for the first time in your life, it it certifies you as a uh, political individual who knew everything that was happening in the area, because that's what was used against me at my trial. But uh, no, I I, see. I didn't even vote until I was 32. So either 31 or 32, the first time that Trump ran against Hillary Clinton was the first time that I had ever voted in my life, just because I you know, I'd seen the Monica Lewinsky scandal and all that growing up in the 90s. And I just said to myself, like, what kind of woman would stay with a man like that? And (laughs) that was pretty much the reason that I voted for Trump. Like that, that was it. That was, there was no, you know, political reasoning. There was no bargaining chip. There was no anything like, oh, well, this person's tied. I didn't know any of that. And uh, so, no, I mean, there was really no influence for me going other than to spend time with my dad and help him, with his campaign because he was so brand new uh, you know to the scene of like what i what i thought it would take and i had marginally misguessed uh even what it would take at that time to run a you know a political campaign of any kind i you know i mean i still may not even know as a congressional candidate just the depths of you know deceit and corruption that you have to go to to uh make yourself known without crossing the line or violating God's laws. So, yeah, it's been interesting.
0: (laughs) So uh, tell us what happens when you get up to D.C.
1: Well, we go up and we meet with some family that live just on the other side of Marlboro, Maryland. Uh, So we didn't actually stay in the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, we got up super early on January 6th. I think we were probably on the metro by like 3, 4 a.m., Um, it was a crazy scene already. As soon as we got off onto, uh, the, the platform, one of the poses that they used against me, uh, at trial was there was a picture of me and my father that said, it's already getting rough, uh, pray for us. And, you know, they said that that was a term of endearment that I expected trouble and this that and the other. Well, what I was referring to was the fact that we left Phoenix, Arizona, where it was 70 and we (laughs) went to Washington DC, where it was like five. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we're we're already freezing as we get off the metro and start making our way over uh, to uh, the Washington monument. And there are already thousands of people at the Capitol. And I didn't even know. See, this is how unprepared I was for what was going on there. I didn't even know that Donald Trump was speaking. I wasn't even aware that there were speakers like I just thought this was going to be like some random event you know i i I really had no clue or context of what was going to happen not to mention the fact that the fact of me even being there i was on muscle relaxers and painkillers just to get my neck and shoulder to calm down so that we could go through the day and uh you know we we get over there there are thousands and thousands of people that are at the washington monument and uh you know for the area and Uh, We actually couldn't get in or listen to anybody speak because I had all of my media gear with me. You know, I had my backpack, my laptop, my extra SD cards, my backup camera. I had, uh, you know, my phone, food, you know, chargers, you know, basically anything that I thought that I was going to need, you know, to be a, a journalist on the ground for the entire day. And the Secret Service, as soon as we get up to the front, they're like, We're not letting anybody else in with a backpack. If you have a backpack, you're not coming in. I know it's kind of comical there for a minute because you see this like panicked look come over all of the people's faces and they start like hiding backpacks in bushes and they're like <laughs> trying to like climb trees and stick their backpacks and trees and all to get in. And I was like, why are these people freaking out about this? And they're like, oh, Donald Trump's fixing to speak. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that probably makes sense. You know, big deal. Uh, president's about to speak. And um, so, you know, we, we didn't get in. So we decided, you know, instead of staying and listening to the speakers, we were going to go have some lunch And we had some taco trucks in front of a building that I would become very well known with, 333 Constitution Avenue, the E. Barrett-Jackson Prettyman Courthouse, uh, where no justice is applied in the United States as long as you're a a Republican. Uh, The outside of that building should be labeled guilty until proven Democrat. And, um, you know, we made our way over. Uh, I guess it's about one o'clock at this time. We start heading over to uh, the Capitol because Dad has an interview with the Epic Times somewhere around like 120, 1.30, somewhere around there. And uh, there's no violence. There's you know the day is absolutely just you know a bunch of people singing and praying and just talking and they're you know being uh, just it was kind of a joyous occasion on the the first half of the day. And then uh, after Dad's Epic Times interview, uh, this is the first area and the only area uh, where the restricted area signs were posted, contrary to popular belief of the left in the mainstream media. There was only one area that had restricted entry signs. And it was due to the construction of the scaffolding, which has become like this, you know, this big targeted portion of the January 6th event is like, how dare people climb on something that was made to climb on? Um, you know, and uh, you have guys like you know, Coy Griffin that were on the scaffolding that were praying. and actually Coy Griffin is the only person that's been charged with insurrection. You know, the the lamestream media, fake news outlets that are out there, they continue to you know call this the the largest insurrection that America has ever seen. It wasn't even an insurrection. None of these people were armed. Uh, you know, and as for me and myself, if this was an insurrection, and it was truly the intent of what happened. I was able to take over the government with a plastic fork and a camera. <laughs> so that's.
0: Yeah.
1: Just you know, if that were the case and it was my part, I would say that I, it was done relatively uh, without, you know, any real feedback from, you know, everybody else. Cause I, you know, I, I'm, I never went in the building. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how insurrection can play a part for, for everyone that's been prosecuted. Well, let me, let um, me, so let me, anyway. let me, let me
0: dwell on that point. You just said you never went in the building. You mean the Capitol, you never actually went in the Capitol building.
1: I did not. No, I didn't.
0: But you were, however, from, so, from talking to your dad, who's been a guest on the program, uh, you were videotaping people, and particularly uh, videotaping people that might have uh, distinguishing tattoos or other marks, so you, you might be able to identify them as uh, what we call agents provocateur, um, you know, surrogate, sort of the government there, provoking people.
1: I think so. You know, I took a thousand pictures and videos on January 6th, and we asked multiple times for the government to overturn the evidence for my discovery, and uh, they refused to do so. They gave us 27 pictures and videos, so I've been denied my constitutional right to Brady, um, you know, to have a fair trial in Washington, D.C., just right off the bat, and I openly state that. We— I, I'm even providing copies of the transcripts to people where we ask for an open court and the judge Bosberg denies it openly at the court. Um, and uh, it's in my transcripts. I make them available to ever, whoever, because I have nothing to hide yeah. on, uh, you know, what happened. Um, but I mean, anyway, I guess I'll continue like from where we left off. So, yeah. you know, the capital at the front, we begin to head over to the left side Uh, over towards the Supreme Court, which is considered to be the east side for everybody that's wondering about that. And, um, you know, on the way over there, we talked to uh, some people from Ireland that were like Irish for Trump. We talked to Samoans for Trump, Blacks for Trump, Mexicanos for Trump. Uh, The Samoans for Trump guys were probably my favorite guys of the day. They were hilarious. Um, And again, you know, nobody's talking about you know, like we're going to do all this or whatever. And it just, you know, it just started turning into this, uh, this completely different area after a certain time. Uh, we took a short break. Dad had to sit down cause dad and I were both injured at this time. You know, my father had been recovering from a couple of years long battle with, uh, like some pretty severe migraines and some like memory deterioration. Um, while he was having the headaches it got you know it got to the point like where he couldn't read anything and uh you know the lord healed him in december of that year before he decided to run for congress and he hasn't had a headache since ryan uh, ryan
0: we're we're gonna have to take a hard break here for just a second so can you hang on for for a little bit more when we come back from this break sure all right well ladies and gentlemen we'll be right back with ryan Zach.
1: Fighting against the New World Order. More Mark McCloskey on fire coming up.
0: For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.
1: This is Mark McCloskey on fire.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to January 6th political prisoner Ryan Zink, currently running for the United States House of Representatives, 19th District of Texas, uh, against uh, Jody Arring- Arrington, who uh, was actually a friend of ours, uh, but ended up not being a friend of Ryan Zink's or any of the January 6th political prisoners. Well, tell us, uh, tell us about what happened and how you happened to uh, uh, get convicted.
1: So essentially what happened was me and dad made our way to the porch where we had uh, been filming, you know, uh, we were waved through the barricades. Well, first thing that happened was there was a police officer talking to people on a megaphone saying that they were going to get us up the stairs. That information spread like wildfire. Then immediately to our right hand side, uh, going back over uh, towards like the cannon building and stuff like that there were hundreds of hundreds of people that started pouring into the plaza. And then a police officer that was directly in front of us and waved with both hands. Like he was signaling people to come into the area. And we thought that it was open. Well, then the stairs opened by the United States Capitol police. And then we made our way up to the porch where we saw an individual by the name of Hunter Allen Emke, um begin to punch out the windows and kick out the windows of the Capitol. And shortly after this, um, he was taken into custody by Capitol Police as he was knocked off the ledge with a uh, with a riot shield. And some people who began to start trying to riot at that point started saying things like, you know, like you're not taking them, you guys are traitors, like all this. And I yelled at those people and I was like, hey, leave the police alone. They're just doing their jobs. He's breaking the law. That's and, and, not and, why we came here.
0: And Ryan, you've got that on video. You're from your own camera, true.
1: Yeah, I, I do. I, me and my father both recorded it, and only his angle was given to us in discovery.
0: Well, we're gonna we're gonna t- we're gonna play that for the audience right now, so they can hear, you know, what a what a traitorous insurrectionist you were at that day. So you can hear, you can hear you saying to the crowd, they're just doing their job, right? About the police. Yeah. Yes. So you you end up getting arrested. When do you get arrested?
1: February fourth of twenty twenty one. About a month later. And and what did they charge you with? Um. Well, initially, the filing documents that I can't provide a copy of to any news agency or anything from Michael D. Brown states that uh, my actions led to the assault of multiple police officers, forceful entry to the building, and the death of a federal police officer. And so they said that I had killed Brian Sicknick, essentially, but we all know that no police officer died on January 6th. So then they changed those charges uh, for what they went into, and that was obstruction of an official proceeding knowingly entering or remaining in a restricted building or grounds, parading, picketing, or demonstrating in a restricted building or grounds. And um, all of that for just trying to get people interested to view my content so that I could, um, you know, get engagement to try to get my dad elected. Yeah. You know, I, I never went in the building. I never moved the barricade. I never assaulted anyone. Yeah.
0: And so uh, so tell us what tell us what trial in front of Judge uh, uh, Boseberg's like.
1: Um, well, it's all Democrats for the jury. Uh, the Secretary of Chemical Safety was actually in my jury pool. Uh, he reports directly to Joe Biden, and he was asked, you know, do you think that you could be fair and impartial uh, with the ruling towards defendants of this? And he gave a reply, something to the effect of, no, I don't think I can. I believe everyone who was at the Capitol that day is uh, broke the law and that they should be prosecuted. And then Brosberg asked him, he says, you know, do you do you think, have you seen anything about this defendant? Have you researched this defendant at all? And he was like, no, I haven't. And then he says, well, based on that ruling or that merit, do you think that you could be fair and impartial in a trial to which he replies, I guess. <laughs> and,
0: oh, God.
1: you know, and, and you, these are not a jury of my peers. There's no chance if they, if I'd have been tried in New York or California, I would have stood a better chance than in DC. You know, we have nearly a hundred percent conviction rate for January 6th defendants. And I don't think that the government proved under any aspect uh, what happened. And as a matter of fact, I overheard one of the prosecutors say the punishment is the process yeah. with the majority of this.
0: Punishment um, is a process. So how long was your trial? Uh,
1: uh, this is like over, over a week, uh, and it took 22 minutes for a guilty on all counts charge.
0: And, and what did the jury recommend in the way of a sentence?
1: Uh, I'm on motion of stay for sentencing. I'm at the Supreme Court with U.S. versus Fisher for the felony, the Enron felony, a corporate financial crimes felony that's related to threatening a federal witness and destroying documents, of which I didn't either. Yeah. So uh, is that how you're
0: out and about now?
1: That, that, that that's- um, we're out because of the I'm out because of the video of me protecting police officers. I had another set of attorneys from San Antonio who were. Democrats that uh, they stole $85,000 from me after I wouldn't take a plea deal. And uh, they somehow she managed to get me out of jail. And, you know, so, I, you know, I, I'd like to talk about the portion of the time that I was in jail, because I think that's the most critical aspect of all of this.
0: Yeah, go ahead. And go tell, tell us what it's like to be in jail as a political prisoner in the United States today.
1: Um, so the first couple of days that I was in jail, I was placed into a cell that had uh, no plumbing. There was urine and feces all over the floor, not mine for the first day. Um, and then, uh, the second day it kept overflowing. Well, I had asked repetitively if I could get a plunger and a Bible. I asked for a Bible 150 times and was denied every time. Um, and uh i requested that well i amazingly actually got an attorney call and i told them you know hey like i need to transfer cells because i have uh, you know like urine and feces on the floor and the staff actually did accommodate that request the only problem was is that i made them look bad so they retaliated by putting uh, bleach and window cleaner floor cleaner whatever they could get out of the back rooms to put into my food, despite not giving me any type of cleaner to clean my cell that was entirely covered in mold, uh, everywhere. The entire cell was covered in mold. Um, and so I went into this cell and I began to get very sick because the only thing that I could do to eat, you know, some of the food that was coming into my cell was I would stick like rice and eggs and stuff in my socks and I would start to rinse it under the water. And, um i finally uh after a couple of days i I think it was about five days i was finally let out to take a shower and get a family phone call and that kind of thing and i told my dad i was like you got to get me out of here like they're gonna kill me if you don't and um they uh went back and um, as soon as i had mentioned you know them doing any type of thing to my food it got drastically worse for me because They had let me out, you know, for another attorney call or family call and uh, out to take a shower. And while I was out taking a shower, somebody had gone into my cell and stuffed raw chicken up into the pipe of where my drinking water came out of. And the only reason that I know that this is true and that this happened is because I was never given a cup while I was at this facility. The only thing that I had was the plastic bag that my soap came in. And as I was using that plastic bag to drink out of, I noticed that something had fallen out of the spout. And I ran it between my fingers and was like spreading it out, trying to figure out what it was. And uh, it turned out that it was, I I thought it was some kind of meat. I thought maybe it had come out of my teeth, but I hadn't been eating meat because the bleach and everything they were putting into my food, the meat really soaked it in. And it was, it made me really sick. And so over the next couple of days, I began to get like really violently ill um, where I was throwing up. I wasn't allowed to. Go to medical. Nobody would even come down to my cell really to pay attention to what was happening to me, and I was getting a drink again, and I saw another piece fall out of into the plastic bag, and at that point was when I um, took my toothbrush and I kind of bent it to where I could stick it up into the mouth of the sink there, and three large pieces of raw chicken fell down out of the out of my uh, my drinking water pipe. Uh, that I had in my in my cell, and I just remember thinking to myself like what did I do to deserve this like all I tried to do was cover an event to get people to engage in the platform and I was looking out at the cemetery you know I had lost by the time I left that facility I lost you know, like 50 pounds I went in at 180 and came out at like 130 pounds. And uh, I looked at that cemetery and I was saying to myself, if I ever get out of here, I'm never going to let this happen to another American family. And I I just kept wondering if I was going to be the next person that went into that cemetery that was right there next to the jail. And uh, by the grace of God, I was able to get out within the next couple of days. And it was just really a uh, it was really a trying process for me. But I really strengthened my faith. Uh, with Jesus and with the with my prayer life that I was able to, to get while I was in there, they they, uh, they never did get you a Bible. I take it, no, sir, they didn't, and that's why I travel around the country and even on my interviews, I always have it right next to me. And inside of it, I carry a, a copy of the Constitution as well because uh, these are you know the the only two books that I believe you can read that are going to fix this country. And even on my hat, you know, Jesus Christ, twenty twenty four. I believe that Jesus is the only candidate that we can completely endorse for America in 2024 that's going to fix this nation, but it starts with us. We have to repent and us as voters, as people, we have to step up and we have to be the ones to make the change, to vote corruption out of the office. Just like the guy that I'm running against right now, who has done nothing for January 6th, has refused to help me. He met with me for an hour and gave me a couple of emails and then, you know, in 2022, on January 6th, he makes comments to the fact that he believes that everyone that was at the Capitol were people on the fringe and that there was a difference between rioters and other people who were there. Well, I never rioted. I never hit anyone. I never broke anything. I never even went in the building. And he refused to help me, you know, and he brags about writing litigation for, you know, assaulting federal police officers and that there's a difference and that, you know, the Democrats from the January 6th committee – led by the corrupt Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney and Adam and all the rest of them, that, you know, there was a difference between the two. And then he refused to stand up, you know. And that's the problem I see with most of the Republicans that we have right now, with the exception of a few, because I subpoenaed uh, McCarthy, Gates, Green, and Jordan, to come and testify on to the fact of what was deleted or what they believe was deleted with the 4.4 terabytes of the original January 6th committee. And they all sent staff to quash the motion. As a matter of fact, Kevin McCarthy flew to Japan in order to avoid having to testify. I confirmed that with another congressman, that it was indeed a late night archive uh, event for him to get out of there. So, you know, it just... um, whatever they're trying to do right now, it's not enough. We still don't have all of the the footage. You know, we've been given about 600 cameras out of about 1,400. Some of the experts and the other legal teams that I'm talking to are saying the 40,000-hour number is just a lie, that it could be as high as 170,000 hours. And then the collusion between the DOJ, the FBI, and the Biden administration has just been rampant and out of control, and it goes right from the top. It's uh, It's from with, you know, Department of Homeland Security, even Mayorkas, Uh, you know, Matthew, all of those guys are completely complicit in all of this. And finally, finally, um, you know, something's being done about the jail as we have an investigation over the beating of Sarah's husband, um, you know, who's just been in there and, and it's, it's the staff, they know what they're doing and they're covering this up intentionally, and uh, it's the American people and Trump supporters and Donald Trump himself who are suffering at the hands of all of this.
0: By the, by the way, did you ever get your memory cards and your film back?
1: I, I I have not. I was never given my discovery on multiple requests. 27 photos and a couple of videos are what I was given to defend myself. Because if you look at the rest of what's in my camera, it will exonerate me because I did exactly what I was told to by that Capitol Police officer to stay on the porch and take pictures of people who were acting mysteriously. What, so I did my job. And he testified to that under oath, by the way. That's in my transcript. He admitted that he told me to do that. But then he also said I was part of the problem.
0: Yeah. Well, even even Ted Cruz called every all the people that were there on January 6th, what, terrorists, right? These, these things have... These are terms of art. A terrorist doesn't have legal rights. He was just declaring that you have no right as an American citizen to refer a fair trial. And I know Judge uh, Boesberg basically said the same thing, that you can put on your defense if you want to, but you're guilty. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's not the United States of America. That's just the Soviet Union. What In the last 30 seconds here, what can you tell us about uh, how we can help you out and how we can support your campaign?
1: Uh, well, the biggest way that you can support my campaign is to go to ryanzink.vote. I do have a donation tab over there. I really need some help defeating this you know, rhino incumbent that I, that I have uh, going on in this district. And another way that you can help is to go to giftsandgo.com forward slash ryanzink uh, to help me pay for my legal defense. Um, and make sure that you follow closely what's going on because they're trying to take those funds away. But it's your First Amendment right to give money to somebody that you see fit and then uh, just pray. Pray is the biggest thing.
0: All right. Well, you know, we're we're praying for you. We're praying for all the January 6th defendants, and the way we're going to beat this thing is to get Donald Trump elected president again so that he can fix this. Yes. Pardon all you political prisoners, free the people that are incarcerated, and bring some justice back to this world. Well, Ryan Zink, thank you very much for being on the show, and, and uh, keep us informed.
1: Yes, sir. Well, dude, thanks, Mark, for having me on. Tell your wife I said hello, and I'm glad to be on a show with such ardent patriots as yourself.
0: Well, we appreciate it, and we appreciate what you've done. You take care.
1: Yes, sir. Thanks. Bye-bye. You say
0: it on the money And who is it in your family tree Right, right, you bloody well right You got a bloody right to say Right. You bloody well, right. You know you got a right to say. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Ryan Zink, January 6th political prisoner and a candidate for the 19th District of Texas. Maybe we'll get a real constitutional conservative back in the House of Representatives. We'll be right back. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.
1: This is Mark McCloskey on fire.
0: Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You know, when I started off this program and I was kind of tongue in cheek saying that no matter how bad it gets and how how ridiculous things are in this country, you just can't imagine they'll get any worse. And then every day they just surprise us with how much worse they can make everything. And, you know. There is no Republican party and there is no Democrat party in DC. In DC, there is just the Uniparty. It's run by the, by the, I sound like Lucy and the Charlie Brown Christmas. It's run by a big Eastern syndicate. Well, in the real world, ladies and gentlemen, it is run by a big Eastern syndicate. When Jeff DeWitt said that to, uh, 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 uh Carrie Lake and said, you know, when she suggests you go public with this and he says, yeah, right. Like I turned the key to my car and boom. You got the chairman of a state Republican Party admitting that if he doesn't do what he's told by that big Eastern syndicate, they're going to kill him. But then we get, then we get the, 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 uh, the, the lie du jour. If there's ever been any doubt in your life that every word that comes to you from the government, whether it's the Republican Party or the Democrat Party, is a lie, think about the Russian space nuke hoax that was sprung upon us this week, right? All of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden when the give whatever money it takes to Ukraine, no matter what, no matter what our borders look like, we've got to protect the borders of Ukraine, even if the American border is completely wide open. We've got to protect Ukraine from invasion. By the way, Ukraine's as, as a democratic republic as the Soviet Union used to be. But we have to protect Ukraine no matter what, no matter what our border looks like. So it stalls in the House. And Mike Johnson says that Senate bill's never going to come up for a vote on the floor of the House. Well, guess what? Then we get Russian space nukes to scare us. Um, supported by this lovely gentleman. Uh, this guy's name is Mike Turner. He's the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. He's from Dayton, Ohio. All right. And he has a meeting at the White House. And he has a White House approve the Democrat White House approve his Republican press release about these terribly modern new space nukes by the Soviet Union, by the Soviet Union, by the Russians, that it's going to kill us all and knock out all our communications, and it's a real genuine threat. Except then, it turns out that it's all just total BS. There are no new Russian space nukes. It's all just pure BS made up to scare us, to convince us to send money to Ukraine because Russia really bad, Russia bad, Russia, 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 hate Russia, send money to Ukraine. Guess what's in Dayton, Ohio, other than the uh, Congressman Mike Turner? There's this little place called the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. What is there at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base other than the bodies of the Roswell space aliens? Well, there's this little entity called, get this, the uh, National Air and Space Intelligence Center. What's the National Air and Space Intelligence Center? It is. This is our own. This is our own paperwork, right? The National Air and Space Intelligence Center is the Department of Defense primary source for foreign air and space threats. Well, what would uh, Fakie do? Russian space nukes be other than a air and space threat, which might require a whole ton of money being sent to the good folks of Dayton, Ohio, to spend at the National Air and Space Intelligence Center to counteract the threat of these completely fictitious and fakey-do Russian space nukes. I mean, it's also stinking corrupt. And then the uh, Russian space nukes uh falls apart because it turns out to be completely bs even kirby had to get on the air and say well there's no current threat don't be worried there's no operational platform this is just something that might be a problem down the road in other words we just flat out lied to you yesterday and the lie was so obviously false that we had to give up on it in 24 hours right And <laughs> now we tell you i oh, don't worry about that we just lied to you yesterday but believe us today because the next russia 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 hoax is uh, that we're all upset that a nice young man named Alexei Navalny, who is a Russian dissident, has died in Russian prison. He was doing 19 years. By the way, Jeff Zink's son, Ryan Zink, who you just saw, got 22 years for filming people at the Capitol building. This Russian dissident, who was a. Uh, depending on who you believe, either a freedom fighter for the Russian people or a terrorist fighting against the Russian government gets 19 years in a uh, Siberian jail and he dies, um, under mysterious circumstances. And therefore he was executed by Vladimir Putin. And therefore Russia bad send money to Ukraine. Think of the logic of that, right? You got a guy who's a political prisoner in Russia. And there are a lot of political prisoners in Russia. When, uh, when the Soviet Union existed, uh, Joseph Stalin sent millions, tens of millions of people to the, to the Siberian gulags, tens of millions of whom never made it out. We didn't bitch about that then, but now because we need to convince Republicans uh, to vote on giving more money to Ukraine, we have to be upset that one Russian dissident dies in a Siberian prison camp because, by the way, because Putin is a bad guy and... And let's say Putin actually ordered the death of this young man, he's actually 40-something, for his political crimes, that we have to give money to Ukraine, and by God, that will make Putin a nicer person, or weaken Russia, or do something. But in the real world, Russia's economy has never been better. I mean, watch Tucker Carlson's interview with, with Putin, watch Tucker's discussion of how Soviet, uh, Russian supermarkets actually are how the the food is available and and cheaper than the United States and how clean and well managed the the uh, Russian cities are, but it doesn't make any difference. You're told every day, Russia, 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 Russia bad. Give money to Ukraine. Russia bad. Give money to Ukraine. And then what's the other blockbuster from this week? Uh, um, Michael Schellenberger and uh, Matt Taibbi turn out to discover. That the entire Russia, Russia, Russia hoax was set up by the FBI, that they identified 26 associates of Donald Trump to, have, to to leak information to so that they can be highlighted by foreign intelligence agencies. Mind you, the CIA is not permitted by law to engage in action in the United States. So they set these 26 people up used foreign intelligence agencies to contact these people, to put them on their hot list. So they then would come to the attention of the FBI. And the FBI then would take the bait and create the Russia-Russia-Russia hoax. So here we have, starting before the 2016 election, we've got the United States Intelligence Agency, the CIA, picking 26 American citizens out because they're associates of Donald Trump, because what the swamp... What the powers that be cannot tolerate is anybody taking office that can't be controlled. And they were afraid that Donald Trump might actually get elected, so they had to burn him from the, from the inside out. They set up 26 guys, put them on the hot list around the world. The hot list then brings them to the attention of the FBI, and the FBI starts engaging in these uh, setups. Uh, like Mike Flynn and George Papadopoulos and all these other poor sons of guns that were suckered into these FBI stings who did absolutely nothing wrong except support Donald J. Trump. So remember, ladies and gentlemen, hate Russia, hate Vladimir Putin, and the way to make Russia better and the way to make Putin better is to give money to Vladimir Zelensky, who, by the way, put a uh, um, young man named a Chilean-American citizen Chilean American citizen named Anzalo Lyra, who, by the way, was imprisoned in Ukraine after allegedly spreading Russian propaganda and then violating his bail position conditions, he has died in a Ukrainian jail. So here is an American citizen who's arrested by Zelensky for giving out Russian misinformation, is tortured and beaten in prison, and then dies in prison. Did you hear the, the uh, complete establishment of the United States uh, propaganda machine and all the congressmen, Republican and Democrat, stand up and say, how can we tolerate a government like the government of Ukraine that would arrest Anzalo for, this, uh, for false Russian information, have him tortured and beaten, and die in jail? You know, I bet not a single one of you have heard that name until right now. Well, you know, we're uh, supposed to believe all this stuff Is true because they tell us it's true. If there's anybody out there that believes that anything you hear on the mainstream media, or even Fox for that matter, or even Newsmax this morning was bringing all this Russian dissident dies in prison, bad Russia, bad Russia, give money to Ukraine stuff. If you can believe any word that comes out of the United States government's mouth in any form— or anything from the mainstream media, then you need to have psychiatric examination because no sane person would listen to this b s any longer well so <laughs> you got you got the Biden crime family right, and you 've got these whistleblowers that come forward from the IRS risking their careers and their pensions to tell the truth about uh, 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 Biden and his son taking bribes from foreign governments, and so guess what then. Just, just like the free and honest country that we are, uh, Special Counsel David Weiss has charged that FBI informant with giving false information because, obviously, when he testified, when he told the IRS um, in June of 2020, he's accused of having told the FBI for the first time about meetings between uh, he and four or five years earlier with executives associated with Burisma and that Barisma had paid Joe Biden and Hunter Biden each $5 million in bribes. But by God, because he says it and because it might cost Joe Biden some years in prison or impeachment, he's got to be lying. He's got to be charged with perjury. He's got to be arrested because only Republicans or only whistleblowers go to jail for perjury. Everybody else that stands up in front of Congress, like Christopher Ray or Alejandro Mayorkas, or anybody else that stands up and lies, they get off scot-free. Peter Navarro, 74-year-old gentleman, worked in several Republican administrations, is going to start a prison sentence for what? Allegedly for contempt of Congress for refusing to honor a congressional subpoena. You know who else recently refused to accept a congressional subpoena? Hunter Biden. Do you see Hunter Biden going to jail? Do you see a criminal referral for Hunter Biden? And then you've got this, uh, this nonsense down in Fulton County, Florida, where the prosecutor and her special prosecutor are involved in a personal relationship and paying, you know, going on these... M- foreign holidays and Aruba and Belize and the wine country and all this stuff where she's paying him back in cash. There's no record of it. He paid, puts it all on his business credit card, but she pays him back in cash. The $300,000 of people of Fulton, Fulton County, Georgia paid him, which he then used to take her on vacation. That wasn't improper because she paid him back in cash. None of that public money went anyplace. I believe that because the government tells us that. I can go on and on. Some alleged relatives of slaves in St. Louis want 74 billion dollars in recompense for the labor that their relatives did 150 years ago building the uh, St. Louis University and uh, they're gonna and uh, instead of just saying this is complete BS, no, you're not going to get a damn thing. They're actually talking about it. Because the labor alleged slave labor of their distant relatives 150 years ago, um, if calculated on 24 hours a day for 365 days a year, multiplied by all the descendants that came down the last 150 years, comes up to $74 billion, and by God, they want it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, every time I give a speech now, including last weekend down in Oklahoma City, I ask the, I ask the audience how many people here believe that there is a political solution to our crisis, and no hand goes up. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's a congressman named Mark Green from Tennessee. He's decided not to run free election. And why? He says, quote, our country and our Congress is broken beyond most means of repair. I have come to realize that our fight is not here within Washington. Our fight is with Washington. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the absolute truth our fight is against Washington. Our fight is with Washington. I do not believe that there is a political solution to this crisis. The only solution is for each of us, every one of us, to stand up, make a personal stand for freedom, say we will not be sheep. We'll be a free people, and we're going to fight for our freedom and save this republic, and it's going to have to be the people and not our elected officials. Thank you very much.
1: For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.